0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Well, hey, what's going on, uh, Mission Church? Uh, man, uh, Pastor Andrew here, and uh, man, uh, Christina and I so deeply wish uh, that. Uh, we weren't doing this uh, via a stream, but that we, w- we actually wish that we were with you in person, live. And uh, I just wanna take a second and just tell you how much Christina and I love your pastors. We love uh, Tyler and Rachel, and, uh, and, and we love them for a lot of reasons, but we really love them because they're family to us. Um, you know, uh, sure, some of you might know this, but Tyler and I have been best friends since we were 15 years old. And, uh, and we've been together in the highs and the lows and everything in between. And how many of you know, man, when you share life like that with people, uh, man, it can bind you together. And so uh, so we love your pastors. We think the world of your team there. Uh, it, it's been amazing. I was with you guys very early in the infant stages, and I guess you're still kind of in the infant stages of your church, but I was with you uh, at the very, very beginning of the church. And so I can't wait to be back with you guys and, and see uh, what's going on in person if we ever get to have church live again. Uh, but we love you guys, love Tyler and Rachel, believe in their leadership, believe in how God is using you. So I just wanna encourage you, if you're watching this and you're a part of Mission Church, uh, man, you are in the right place. You are in the right spot. Uh, So man, throw yourself into it even more than you already have. Well, I I also wanna say this, um, happy Father's Day. I'm incredibly honored to get to preach the word to you on Father's Day. I wanna encourage all the dads watching this that, uh, you know what, you're probably doing better than you think you are. Uh, Because here's what I've learned. Now, I've been a dad for 19 months. So I am a novice at this. I am a novice. But but here's one thing that I've learned. Being a dad is hard. It is difficult. It's more difficult than maybe I thought it was before I became a father. So I wanna encourage all the fathers, all the dads, Uh, watching this. Uh, Man, you're loved. We honor you today. It's not easy, uh, but continue to stay in the game. Continue to lean into your families. Continue to lean into your kids uh, because it's worth it. Amen. Uh, well, uh, man, I also do uh, real quickly before we move on, before I jump into it, I do want to share just a photo of my family. And so uh, so this is this is my family. This is uh, my wife, Christina. Uh, we've actually been married uh, 15 years uh, in a, just a few days. Uh, we, we will have been married 15 years. That is hard uh, to believe, but we have. It's been the best 15 years of my life. I love my wife. She's amazing. And then, uh, and then these are our children. Uh, these are our twins. We had twin boy-girl 19 months ago. By we, I mean Christina gave birth to them and I was in the room encouraging and supporting. And, uh, uh, and uh, so Christina is there, uh, she's holding justice that is our our monster of a child and I uh, love justice justice andrew guard is his name and then uh, and then the the prize of our home is adriana uh, that's who i'm holding adriana grace guard and so, uh, so, man, I love my family. And so I just wanted to, wanted to show them to you a little bit uh, so you can kind of know uh, who we are. Uh, again, I, I do want to say, man, I'm proud of you, Mission Church. I'm proud for the work you're doing, um, not just in Walnut Creek, but in really the greater Bay Area there. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, man, stay at it. Stay at it. You're at the beginning. At our church, Gray City, um, we're actually going to be celebrating five years in September. And, uh, and I know you're a little older than two years old. And, uh, and I just, uh, what a start you've gotten off to. And I'm here to tell you, it's just gonna get better and better and better. Uh, but you gotta remember, Uh, what I'm about to preach today. In fact, I I was so excited to preach this today because I think it's so applicable uh, to where you are at right now as a church. And so if you're maybe watching with your family, maybe watching with roommates, uh, I want you to take note. Here's the title uh, of my message is, I know who I'm here for. I know who I'm here for. I'm just a firm believer that, man, this journey uh, is just a little easier. This journey uh, is easier to stay on. This road is easier to stay on if you know who you're here for. And, and I want to read out of Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, I want to set it up a little bit. In the beginning of Galatians, the first Chapter in Galatians, in the first couple chapters in Galatians, the Apostle Paul um, has been communicating his his journey of leadership, and he talks about how you know he gave his heart to Christ, and and Christ gives him this this gospel, right, this new covenant, uh, and uh, and so he he receives the revelation of the cross and and the message of Jesus, and it says about three years after he's been a follower of Jesus, he goes and and he uh, he has an interaction with Peter. Uh, and, and, then, uh, and then they're kind of hanging out for a little bit. And then, uh, and then he leaves. And then we pick it up in Galatians chapter two, verse one. And it says, it says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. So, so after three years, he goes up to, to, to Jerusalem and hangs out with Peter a little bit. And then 14 years later, he goes back up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them though privately before those who seemed influential the gospel that i proclaim among the gentiles in order to make sure that i was not running or i had not run in vain but even titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was a greek yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in christ jesus so that we might bring us so that they might bring us into slavery Sla- slavery. To them, we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no, no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Now I want to stop real quickly and just kind of explain what's happening because you're like, what does circumcision have to do with the gospel? Well, it's really simple. Peter um, uh, obviously was a follower of Jesus, one of the early followers of Jesus. And, and, uh, and he was entrusted, uh, and meaning his main audience was to Jewish people who were the circumcised tribe. And the Apostle Paul, his main audience and the main group that, that he felt like God had called him to minister to were the Gentiles who would be uncircumcised people. It says in verse eight, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Peter and John who seemed to be pillars and perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was already eager to do. Verse 11 says, but when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with Gentiles. Uh, We're going to get into it, but let's pray together today over the preaching of God's word. God, what an honor it is, uh, God, to preach your word. Um, uh, God, uh, via the internet and and, and across the country to an amazing church, Lord, I pray for Mission Church. I I thank you for the grace that is on that house. I thank you for Tyler and Rachel and the rest of the team. I pray that you would speak to us today, God, that you would uh, just put something on our lives, put something on our hearts. God, I pray, uh, God, that you'd give us the grace to make a difference in the lives of Of others. God, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Uh, Do do you remember uh, when you first gave your life to Christ? Some of you might remember this. You you remember that, that first moment that you felt like, okay, my life is surrendered over to Christ. Now, now some of you uh, you might have been very very young in fact, some of you uh, watching uh, you might not even really remember a specific time that you gave your heart to Christ because maybe you grew up in the church or maybe you grew up with a family that just from the time you can remember you, you just you're, you always had a heart you always had a bend uh, towards jesus and and that's awesome and uh, some of you you're watching this right now and uh, and you're not a follower of jesus and uh, and you haven't made that decision that I was just talking about but in about 20, 25 minutes or so, uh, we're, we're gonna pray for you, and we can hook you up with a relationship with Jesus. But 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 I, I, I want to uh, you know help you um, it, for those that maybe haven't made a decision. To follow Jesus yet, or maybe those that man from the time they were really young, they kind of were always soft to the things of God. I want to let you in a little bit for how it works for those of us who make decisions. Maybe not when we're you know you know seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Uh, what it looks like uh, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, because um, you know there is a journey uh, when we surrender our lives over to Jesus, and and there are were so many things for me that when I was seventeen years old, gave my heart to. Christ. That I had to figure out. There were just some things that that I was like, man, I don't really know how all this God stuff works. So I got to be honest, there were many things that I did that probably weren't in lockstep uh, with God when I first gave my heart to Christ, there were things that I did and there were ways and approaches that I had that I went, huh, I don't know if that was fully God. That was probably a lot more Andrew in the early days than hopefully by the grace of God, it is now. In fact, I remember, I thought early on that if I ever had to have a confrontational kind of moment with somebody, I could just blame God for it. So, so what I mean is, like, let's say I was dating a girl, and th- this happened. This is a real story. This is real, people. This is not made up. This is real. Uh, now, 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 I had a girlfriend, and um, I wanted to break up with her. I wanted to break up with her because, um, quite frankly, I didn't like her anymore. Like, she kind of annoyed me, and um, her voice, like the sound of her voice bothered me. Yeah you, know, you ever get there with somebody just in life in general. You just kind of like the sound like the way they enunciate their syllables, just, just bother. So, so I've been dating this girl for a while. She, she, was, she was great. She loved God, she was great. Um, so I, I sat her down and I met with her. And now, um, if you've been following God for a little while, um, you probably did this too, but you don't want to admit it. And I sat her down, and instead of just saying, hey, um, I think we should part ways. This isn't really working out. Um, it's not me. It's you. And instead, instead, of, instead of doing that, uh, what, what I, I, I went real spiritual. I went real spiritual. In fact, some of you, you already know what I'm getting ready to say. And what I told her is I said, hey, look, um, I was praying the other day. I was praying the other day because I didn't have the courage to tell her that I really just want to break up with her. I I put it on God. I said, I was praying the other day and God told me, like it it was, it might've been audible. I don't remember. I think it might've been audible. And he told me that I had to break up with you. It it, 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 wasn't that I necessarily want to per se, but I do want to be a vessel and used of God. And so I'm simply doing whatever he tells me to do. Goodbye, right? You kind of had those moments where where I felt like it was okay for me to put things on God. In fact, there there were other times where I would do things that, yeah, you know, I, I tried to get away with things. For example, there were times when I was in high school and I, again, I gave my heart to Christ and I'd be sharing my faith in between classes, And sometimes as a result, I'd be late to my next class. I remember I went to one of my classes one time and I was about five minutes late because I was literally in a conversation about God with one of my friends. And I show up to class, I knew the teacher was a Christian and she said, Andrew, why are you late? I gotta mark you late. Like, like, why are you late? And and, like, you know, wanting her to be proud of me, I expected her to be proud of me and be blown away by my spiritual prowess. I I said, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I was sharing my faith. And she goes, okay, well, that's awesome, but share it on your own time. I still need you to be in class on time. And and, and there was another thing that, that, that I felt like I had maybe a misunderstanding of, and it was this. In fact, I even read elsewhere where the Apostle Paul says that I have become all things to all people. And something that I mistakenly thought early on in my faith is that everybody finding God was up to me. And that by myself, I had to reach every single person. And I could even justify it in Scripture because in the Scriptures, the Apostle Paul, you know, he, he would say things like, you know what, I became all things to all people so that I might win some. And so I thought, man, I gotta be all things to all people. Like, like, like I, have, I gotta be all things to all people because every single person, no matter what their age is, no matter what their gender, no matter what, is depending on me. But, but then when I read that, where the apostle Paul says, I become all things to all people, he gives some examples. He gives some examples. So what he says is, he says, to the Jew, I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. And then he says, to, the next example he gives is, is he says," To someone under the law, I have become one under the law that I might win those under the law." Next example he gives, is he says, you know, to those outside of the law, I have become as one outside of the law that I might win those outside of the law. And the last example he uses is he says to the weak, I have become weak, so that I might win those who are weak. Now, the reality is, this is fascinating to me, reading it now so many years later, I used to think that meant I have to be everything to all people, and yet all the examples that Paul gives, he actually is. So, 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 so all the examples that he gives, it's not like he's like 5'9", and he's like, to the 6'4", person, I have become 6'4". No, no. He says, to the Jew, I become a Jew. He was Jewish. He says, as one under the law, I've become one under the law. For most of his life up to this point, he had lived under the law. He knew how to do that. As one outside of the law, I've become outside of the law well he was outside of the law as soon as he stepped into his relationship with Christ and then he says to the weak I have become weak he knows what it's like to be weak because he has been beaten and in prison and all those things so all the examples that he gives he actually was and so he wasn't saying that you have to be something you're not to reach people what he was saying is that God wants to use the entirety of all that you are That that all you have to do is you gotta step into a relationship with God and God will use every single piece of you. You don't have to be something you're not. You just have to be all that God has put inside of you and then you get to draw from those things at different moments when it can help you connect with people. So we've ended up thinking and we have a lot of people in church thinking that they have to be something that they're not. And I think that's a tragedy. I think it's a tragedy when you come to church or you start reading your Bible and you start having to think that I have to be something that I'm not. That's a dangerous conclusion to draw. In fact, I remember talking to my friend years ago and this friend that I have in particular, he's really funny. Like he's really, really funny and he's life of the party guy and, and he's absolutely incredible. And I remember I was talking to him about faith one time and, and uh, and he said, nah, man, I'm probably never, I'm not, I'm not gonna give my life to Jesus. And I'm like, why not? And he goes, because I, I just feel like I'd have to be somebody totally different. He, he was like, I, I felt like that I wouldn't be funny anymore. I felt like I, I wouldn't be able to have a good time. I felt, and, and, and what a tragic conclusion to draw. That, that, that giving your life to Christ suddenly strips you of who you are. I would argue just the opposite, actually. When you step into Christ, you actually begin to step into the fullness of who you actually are. In fact, my point, my only point today is this, is that when you know who you are called to, it allows you to put a stake in the ground in the land of authenticity when you know who you're called to, who are you called to reach? Who are you called to impact? Who are you, whose lives are you called to like make a difference in? And when you know who those people are and you know who you're called to, you will be able to put a stake in the ground in the land of authenticity where you just get to say, I don't have to be anybody else. I get to simply be who God has called me to be and that will be the thing that will help me make the impact that God is calling me to make. I'm grateful that we have a history of studying and observing people that knew who they were. In Galatians chapter two, verse one, the apostle Paul again says, after 14 years, he goes up to Jerusalem with Barnabas. He's got Titus with him. And he went up because he had this revelation set before him. It says, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure, he wanted to make sure, this is interesting, he wanted to make sure that he was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of some false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend uh, that probably for the first till maybe we were about 23, 24, he got fired from like every job he had. Every job he had, he got fired, and every time I'd meet with them and, and we'd be hanging out, and I'm like, man, why'd you get fired? And every time it was the same thing, it was because he would get in a fight with his boss. And, and by, by fight, I don't mean like he would get in a slight disagreement or slight argument. What I mean is um, that him and his boss would um, sometimes and other times when they didn't fall on get in a fight, it would nearly come to like a physical altercation. I remember telling my friend, I go, uh, dude, like, like why do you keep getting in fights uh, with your bosses, and and his his response uh, would always be like he always felt like somebody was punking him. So when his boss would tell him to do something, he, he he felt like like who do you think you are? And I'm like, dude, he's your boss or she's your boss. Like like you you can't like you know. And and and, and what he would say at the very end of these conversations is he would say, yeah, but man, I I, I gotta be me, I gotta be me. And it reminded me of um, now I'm not promoting this show. I'm not recommending this show. I'm not saying, yay, you should watch this show. Um, what I am telling you is I'm gonna be transparent and be honest with you. There was a show that I was um, addicted to when I was in college. Uh, me and my roommates watched this show regularly. I'm not recommending it. I'm not highlighting it. This is not an endorsement. I'm just telling you a show that I watched and it had a particular skit that I would be reminded of when my friend would tell me, hey, I'm just, I'm just being me, I gotta be me. And it, and it was this, this skit um, called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you what show it was from. Um, If you know, you know. And it was called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. And the whole skit uh, was about, you know, these people that like would do crazy stuff. I mean, crazy off the wall stuff. And they would go, I'm keeping it real. Right, and the whole thing was about when keeping it real goes wrong. You know, the reality of life is this, is that authenticity is not a license to do whatever you want authenticity is not a license to do whatever you want. You, you can't just be yourself and you can't just say, hey, I'm just being me and think that all of a sudden you have a license to do whatever you want. Now, Now, check this out. The apostle Paul has been making huge impacts for the kingdom of God in people's life for 17 years at this point. And yet the Bible says that he comes to the 12, like to the you know, 12 disciples. These are like, you know, capital A apostles. A- and it says that he comes to them. Why does he come to them? He says, because I want to make sure that I have not and I am not running in vain. See, see, it's amazing. That's why I think you're at a great church. I think it's great to have pastors and, and leaders and, and covering in our life so that, that we can't and we don't just rest on, oh, I'm keeping it real, but we actually uh, get to say, hey, um, this is kind of how I've been running the race. What do you think? Am I running in vain? Am I making some mistakes? Uh, because what you're gonna have to kind of manage the tension of your entire life is the teachings of Jesus versus the traditions of man. The teachings of Jesus and the traditions of man. In, in fact, you're going to have to be mindful of, of, of this tension your entire life. And you got to be careful when people secretly get in. The Apostle Paul said that there were some people that, that snuck in. And they slipped in to spy out the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into Slavery, because what's gonna happen in life is you're gonna be making a difference in people's lives and you're gonna be making an impact and there's gonna be some people that wanna slip in there and all of a sudden start speaking doubt in what you're doing. And sometimes... Again, it won't be people slipping in. It will be great covering that that is a godly thing. But sometimes it's gonna be the other thing. In fact, I remember um, there's been times where, where I felt like this was happening in real time. I remember uh, I just preached a message at our church and, and, and I get off the steps and I, and I get off the stage and I step down the steps. This lady immediately walks up to me. And have you ever had somebody say something to you like really like mean, like just, just mean, but she had a smile on her face. So it kind of like creeped you out it was kind of like weird. It was kind of like, like, uh, like, I don't think you realize how insulting this is right now. And I, I had just stepped off the stage and she said, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, good. And, and, um, and, and I didn't really maybe know this lady. And, and she goes, Hey, it's, you know, you know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't been here very much, but, but I, I just got to tell you, you just, you got to stop telling so many stories. You just got to stop telling so many stories. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, like, what, what do you mean? She goes, just the stories. You got all these young people in your church that, that you know, are, are, are listening to you speak and you got a big responsibility. I'm like, thank you for telling me the responsibility I have. Like, I don't, I don't know that. Thank you. Tell me more about the responsibility that I have. Thank you, right? right? And, and, and she was smiling the whole time. She's like, yeah, you just get, and, and I was like, oh man, and I remember what's funny is that was after our first service. I had three more services to preach and, and in a way I could feel like it was starting to get in my head even before I preached that second service. And what I was experiencing is somebody who had slipped in to try to see what freedom that we have in Christ, and you got to be really, really careful. In fact, the other day, right now, uh, Christine and I were building a home, and um, and our project manager that is kind of you know um, helping us. He works for the, the builder that that we hired, and, um, and and he's one of those guys that he goes to a, a much more traditional church in ours, and that's great, and. Um, but this is what he said. He goes, hey, I finally watched, uh, finally watched one of your messages. And he, you know, he said it like not in a, like a really warm way, like not in a way that made me feel good. And I finally watched one of your messages. And uh, now I've watched a couple of them. I go, okay, well, what do you think? He goes, well, you know, me, this is literally what he said. He goes, well, me and my wife, you know, we're just, uh, we were looking for some things to critique. You know, at our church, in our church, we, we got, our people have a lot of opinions about your church. That's right? literally what he said. And he was watching my message in order to critique it. And, and, and way, he didn't like how I dressed. He didn't like, there were things that he didn't even like that we have women preachers. There were a bunch of things that he didn't like in the message and I just felt in my spirit, oh, this is someone trying to slip in. Listen, be mindful of people that are trying to slip in to disengage you from the impact that God wants, to, wants you to have in the lives of other people. Yes, you gotta listen to the right people. I love that the Apostle Paul was humble enough to listen to the right people. That's why he's there, but he's wise and shrewd enough as he says that he didn't even entertain it for a moment what these people had to say. So come on, you, you gotta be humble enough to listen to the right people, to make sure you're on track, and you gotta be wise enough to not listen to the wrong people to throw you off track because you have got to stand your ground. Paul writes he's listening to some people, but he's not listening to everyone. If you're being obedient and making an impact in the lives of others, don't let people talk you off of that space, especially by people that aren't reaching people. Don't let people talk you off that ledge. Don't let people talk you off that space. Don't, don't let people move you from that solid ground to say, no, no, this is actually why I gave my life to Christ. I know who I'm here for. And you have to know that. And in verse seven, he goes on to say, he says, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, and when James and Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Uh, Not that long ago, uh, just a few weeks ago now, um, Christianity lost a giant uh, um, to heaven uh, in Ravi Zacharias. And... uh, Ravi Zacharias would go into these, you know, some of the most prestigious universities across the world, across the globe, and he would walk in and he would give these speeches and he would debate with scientists and he would debate with philosophers and he he would uh, debate with some of the wisest people on the planet right now. And these people that were studying at these incredibly prestigious universities would come to know Jesus because of the intellect that he would bring into the conversation. And it was absolutely unbelievable and he has shaped Christianity in a profound way uh, before he passed away just a few weeks ago. And, And you have people like Mother Teresa who spent her life in the slums in Calcutta and caring for orphans and caring for children and caring for people. You have people like Billy Graham that would do crusades and would preach uh, to thousands of people all across America and eventually the world, and, and, and people would, would walk down in places like Yankee Stadium and they would come down to the front and, and they would yield their life over to Jesus Christ. And Billy Graham made a huge difference uh, in the lives of, of many people. But, but the reason why I share all of these kind of extreme examples is, is to illustrate this, is that every single person has an audience. I don't know how Billy Graham would have done in you know, the lecture halls of Oxford, but I knew Ravi Zacharias was built for it. I, I, I don't know uh, what some other people would do in living in the slums of Calcutta or, or, or how they would navigate that or if they could stay sane enough to, to give their life to that, but Mother Teresa was built for it. She knew who her audience was. And, and, and what you got to understand is that God has destined you and called you to an audience. It's not that, that, that you know you you don't have a general calling to to love all people and to make a difference in all people. However, I'm a firm believer in this. You will have specific fruit. You, you will have an audience. You will have you know groups of people and types of people that, that that you will feel especially God. I am most effective in these environments and in the and in this context. And I would just encourage you to stay committed. To those people. I spent my early years in ministry trying to copy the approach and style of others, and it took me about five or six years in ministry before I said, you know what, I actually know who I'm called to now, so I don't get overly discouraged when a woman tells me I I, I tell too many stories in my messages, and I don't get overly discouraged because my project manager doesn't like the way that I dress when I preach the Bible. Why? Because I know who I'm here for, and I want to encourage you. Listen, you are here for somebody you're not just here to to work a job you're not just here to you know to to put food on the table for your family although that stuff is important mission church you are here to make a difference in walnut creek and the greater bay area and wherever god wherever else god will lead your church i want to finish with a with a couple thoughts and, and you know, i'm a firm believer in this is that when you are secure in who you are, you can celebrate the grace that is on others and be equally committed to the grace that is on your life. That's that's what I love about the Apostle Paul is that even in this section of the scriptures, he's celebrating, he's saying, hey, I'm called to the Gentiles, I'm called to the uncircumcised, and Peter is called to the circumcised and the same God is the God of both of us. And, and, and when you know who you are and when you're secure in who you are, you can celebrate the grace that's on other people's lives. And for example, like I love your pastor. I, have I said that yet? I love your pastor. I love Tyler. Um, uh, Tyler and Rachel, you might not even know this. Tyler and Rachel are the godparents of our children. So if something happens to Christina and I, we love them so much, we would want them to raise our children. That's, that's very, that is serious love. That is serious love. And one of the things I love about Tyler is that he's just, he's always learning. He's always learning. He's, he, he, he's obsessed with learning. He's obsessed with getting better. He's obsessed with growth. And because of that, your church has experienced what it has experienced. The thing I've always loved about Tyler is, is that there is just a grace on his life. I, I think he's one of the most likable people that I've ever met. He's just so likable. And in fact, I remember when, when we were talking about the dream that was Mission Church that was in his heart, I remember, I remember him saying, yeah, you know, this is what I wanna do. And, and probably the, the only advice I really gave him, um, um, you know, or the main advice that I was trying to, trying to like get to him was this, bro, just be you to the max, all the way. And what that meant for him was that dude, you're likable. There's a grace on you. You're kind, you're loving, you're generous. Like just, just, just walk I'm grateful that there is a unique grace on his life. Come on, I, I, I love your worship pastor. I love Darnell. I love Darnell. I've known Darnell for, for a lot of years now. I was a campus pastor at the university that he went to and, and I, I love Darnell. And um, anybody like, you know, when they sing really good, you just get mad. I get mad at people like that. Like I don't even really like people like that yeah, they're just such good singers. It's like, ah yeah, you know he has all the runs and ah. like, he, just, he has all the runs and it just makes you mad. and <laughs> but I'm grateful for the grace that's on his life to lead people to worship the king. and I, and i'm I'm grateful that there are. People like that, I'm grateful for Darnell and the gift and the grace and the anointing that's on his life to do that. I, I love Joe Little. Joe Little is your, you guys, new youth pastor and he came from our church and, and, and was on our team here and I, I love Joe Little to pieces. Um, I, I love, you know, one of the things I love about Joe is he's loyal and he's a hard worker. I love that. There's a grace on him. There's a unique grace. on him. He's gonna build an amazing youth ministry for you guys. See, see, what I love is, can I just tell you, it doesn't take anything away from you to celebrate the fact that other people have an audience and it might not be yours. You know, come on, it it takes security to celebrate the grace and the anointing that is on the lives of other people. And when you know who you are, when you know the grace that's on your life, man, you are able to do that more freely. You have a people. And the apostle Paul respected that. And he honored that and he said, hey, I have a people. And Peter has a people. And we gotta be committed to that. And then in verse 11, now now you get into this little section, it's kind of weird because there's a little bit of beef. Because in verse 11 it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcised party or, or, or fearing the Jews. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy." Peter, he knew his audience, but he forgot something. He he, he forgot something. He he forgot that it is important that your conduct um, is able to rise to the level of your audience. You see, uh, you ever have somebody, in fact, this has happened to me a couple times in ministry where uh, somebody has a ministry idea and <laughs> and it's maybe not the best idea. You know, like their heart is in the right place, but they're just inexperienced or their heart is in the right place. Passion has overtaken them, but they're not really thinking it through. So for example, you know, you know, we've had guys that, you know, m- maybe they were they were alcoholics and they've been sober for like three months and then they wanna start like a bar ministry. And I'm like, okay, man, you got three months in you. Like, let's, Whoo, like, like like let's wait. Let's get let's get a little more water under the bridge. Or or if a guy ever came to me, this has not happened yet, but if a guy ever came to me, he's like, hey, um, I feel really passionate to start the strip club ministry. I feel like those ladies need Jesus, so I think I, I should go there and like not nah, like you know, like maybe your heart's in the right place. It's probably not actually, but like, yeah, that's probably not the ministry for you because there's something about your conduct and your calling coming into alignment. There's something about wisdom, there's something about being sober minded see the reality is is that Peter's hypocrisy was hurting his impact with everybody and so the apostle Paul had to had to call it out he's saying hey man you know you kind of want the Gentiles to live like Jews but but you're not even really kind of adhering to the law so if this is your audience you got to make sure that you're not confusing this audience with your approach and a few things that I've really learned just from this series of passages, number one, I already said it, your character should serve your calling. Your character should serve your calling. You wanna make a difference in your workplace? Have character in the workplace. Come on, you wanna make a difference in your school? Have character in your school. You wanna make a difference with your parents that don't know Jesus? Have character at home. You, you, you wanna make a difference in the life of your spouse, maybe that isn't walking with Jesus? Have character in the home. Your character has to come into alignment and has to serve your calling. Number two, don't let a mistake totally detour you. Peter made a mistake. He lost his way, he lost who his audience was. He made a mistake. Can I encourage you? Don't let a mistake totally throw you off. Don't let a momentary mistake deter you from your audience. You have an audience that desperately needs what you have. And number three, this is a big one, your conduct influences others. Your conduct influences others. It, Peter had some hypocrisy in his conduct and it actually influenced other really godly people to do the same thing. See, Mission Church, you have an audience collectively and you have an audience individually. Like at Grace City, I, I know who our primary audience is. It doesn't mean we don't reach people you know, that are kind of on the fringes of, of our audience, but, but I know who our audience is. Uh, number one, our audience is lost people. We've had over 5,000 de- decisions for Christ in less than five years. We've had over 5,000 decisions for Christ in the last five years. I know one of the main groups of people in our audience are people that don't know Jesus. Number two, I know that one of my primary roles and one of my primary audiences are people that have stepped out of church for whatever reason, um, but they had to have some church detox and they find their way back at our church for the first time in five years. That's a huge part of our audience. Another big part of our audience are people that wanna be a small part of something big. And And can I tell you, like, that's who our audience is. Anybody else wants to come and jump in? That's great, but I know who I'm here for. Come on, you gotta know who you're here for, Mission Church. You gotta know who you're here for, individual that attends Mission Church. Come on, you you, you gotta know who you're here for because when you know who you are here for, the sacrifice is worth it. Come on, all of a sudden the sacrifice turns into joy when I know who I'm here for. I'm here to make a difference in the lives of other people. Come on, you have a special church with a special anointing, with a special grace. I'm gonna ask that you would step into that, be activated into that. Wherever you're watching, come on, can you just bow your head for a second? I wanna ask just two questions. First question is this, uh, man, you're watching this and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You, you, You gotta start that first step, which is, man, I wanna become a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You might say, saved from what? Saved from your imperfection, saved from the sin that you have, that all of us have, that can only be wiped clean from Jesus. And he wants to give you a fresh start, not just when you die and go to heaven. I mean like a new kind of start right now. And if that's you, you're watching this um, and you want to make that decision, can you just like on your keyboard, wherever you're watching from, j- just say, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Just, just type that in, whether you're watching on YouTube or on the website, wherever you're watching this, just, just type that in. Yes, that's me. Maybe you're watching with some family and friends. I want you to tell them after this or even nudge them right now and say, yes, that's me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. God's going to meet you right where you're at and forgive you of your, of your sins. Second question is this, Uh, you're watching this right now and you're going, man, I've neglected my audience. I've been lazy with my audience. I I got people right now in my audience and I'm just, I'm neglecting them. Or maybe I've been overly discouraged because I thought I had an audience and then some religious Christian talked me out of serving that audience. Or maybe you've had something in your heart and like, man, you haven't shared it with Pastor Tyler or you haven't shared it with somebody on the team and and, and we're just waiting for you to step up and and to serve your city in that way and and, and you just have neglected it because you're like, "I, I don't really have much to offer. Listen, there are people in your sphere of influence that are your audience that are waiting for you to step out in faith. And if that's you, you're just saying, yep, you know what, I'm in, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna minister to my audience, whoever God puts in front of me. I want you to just type up, I'm in, in that same place. I want you to just type, I'm in, I'm in. Right now, to say, hey, I'm in, I'm in. I'm gonna serve my audience. I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna be faithful to my audience. God, you've made me for an audience. I don't have to be something I'm not. I just gotta bring all that I am. That's what you require, Lord to make a big difference. Come on, let me pray for you. God, I pray for Mission Church. I thank you for Tyler and Rachel. I thank you for the whole team there. I thank you for everybody watching this. I pray you'd bless their church. God, that their church would be a city on a hill. God, that their church would have uh, not just local, but regional and national and global influence. Uh, God, that when people, God, uh, are looking for community, God, that they would stumble into Mission Church and their lives would be transformed forever. May they be forever committed to their audience. May they, may they not be discouraged from people that would try to slip in and, and, and discourage their freedom that they have in you. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for all those that made a decision to follow you. God, forgive them of their sins. Let them walk with you. Lord, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons.